We've, we have been praying over this day for weeks and months because something incredible happens when you know and you begin to understand that you belong. And that's what I want for each of us. And it's out of knowing that we belong to Christ that we really begin to see our purpose in life and what God has called us to and what he's invited us to. You know, when God calls you to something, he's not just telling you to go. You go do this for me. He's inviting you to take part of something that he's already doing. Amen? Let's take a moment and just pray. Father, Lord, I thank you for, I thank you for the invitation that you've given us. I thank you that when we rest in you, that there's such an incredible, incredible opportunity to belong. I thank you that, that you saved us when we were far too, too gone to save ourselves. And even now, that we still can't do enough to save ourselves, and we still can't quit enough to save ourselves, but you're the one that gives us hope. You're the one that gives us help. And you are the one that is so incredibly faithful and we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we welcome our global community this morning? Hey, guys. We have, we have our friends in Scotland and in the UK. I have some very, very dear friends in Atlanta, Texas. Can we just give them a hand? So we love you guys, and we're so thankful that you're getting to join us today. Part of belonging is knowing whose we are. And when we know whose we are, we out of that begin to know who we are. But I want to start in Ephesians 2, 4, 5, and 8. It says, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love in which he loved us. Let's think about that for a second. Because of the great love in which he loved us. Let's think about Revelations the first couple of chapters in Revelations, Jesus is saying, I have this against the church. You have forgotten your first love. And I really want to present to you this thought. Maybe it's that we forget that he loved us first. Maybe it's that we forget the power of the love that we've been given. We think it's something that we have to give. And I want to challenge that this morning. It's something we get to be. It's something we get to be a part of. It's something that we get to belong to. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love in which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. That's pretty incredible. It says in verse 8, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not your own doing. It's a gift from God. So what that tells me, and this is going to challenge some religious thought. It challenged my religious thought for a long time. You belong before you behave. That'll, that will torque a religious mindset a little bit. What do you mean you belong before you behave? Don't I have to clean myself up first? <sighs> no, we're not good enough to clean ourselves up. But him in us... Christ, the hope of glory, man, he does an incredible job. He does an absolutely incredible job when we give it to him. We belong before we behave. Behavioral improvement is just a product of maturing. 
Don't you love our children's church? I love our children's church. We have, we have great pastors, Pastor Daniel, Pastor David, Pastor Christina, that are leading our children's church. We get to see kids from a little bitty age start to mature. But you know what? I've got a five-year-old, and I have five kids. Jasmine says that's just one handful. So I approach that with much fear and trembling. But five kids, and now we're at a place where we have a teenager that's, that's launching out into life herself. Wow. Pray for me. All the way down to a five-year-old. But you know what? When, when each of them were you know, 11 months old, 10 months old, they were starting to learn to walk. We didn't think less of them when they fell. It was part of getting up. It was part of growing. It's like, hey, come on, come on, we, you can do this. How many of us held our kids' hands and just walked really slowly you know, and just trained them and were with them? Well, that's, that's the way the Father is with us. Now, I will tell you, if we're still 30 years old and we're crawling around, there's an issue. Isn't that right? It's an issue if we're still crawling around and, and acting immature at, at 30 years old. But there is such a power of belonging. It's transformative. We've, we've talked, Pastor Jacob had a great message a few months ago about church on mission. He talked about how there's inspiration. Like we need to be inspired. Then there's revelation. I love revelation. I love when, when I'm reading the scriptures and it just jumps off the page and I get, wow, that's what he was talking about? But then there's the integration that happens. And when we begin to understand we belong, we actually start to integrate our lives. We start to integrate our gifts. We start to integrate what God has put in us so that we can serve the church. I love the song that, that the team led and talking about Pentecost Sunday when the church of Christ was born. Isn't it incredible that we still get to be a part of the church of Christ? Who is, who is the church? Are y'all awake? Is the coffee shop closed this morning? <laughs> Who's the church? We are. we are. Is Victory Life the church? We're a part of the church. I love that we get to be a part of the church. I love that even across the ocean, we have people gathering with us this morning. We get to be the church. And when we belong, we connect, we serve, and we grow. Not out of obligation, just out of who we are. But I want to talk for a minute about purpose. Purpose is a thing that if you don't know the purpose of a thing, you're destined to abuse it. I'll say that again. If you don't know the purpose of a thing, you're destined to abuse it. Well, I want to, to have a conversation this morning of what is our purpose? What is your purpose? What is my purpose? I was asking this question in my prayers just a few months ago. I thought, you know, our church has a great mission. It's to see people transformed by Christ, to see people transformed by Jesus. I can get behind that. I can, I can jump up and down about that. I love it. But is that my purpose? 
I personally, a few years ago, I went to a, a master class on communication, and the teacher was talking about, you have a life message in you. Every person has a life message in you. What is that life message? And I was inspired, and I thought, well, this is going to take some time to dig through this. And he said, well, your life message is going to flow through every area of your life. And I get to thinking, well, well my life message is restoration. I love seeing things restored. I don't care if it's a house, a bicycle, a car. I love to see things that were starting to decay be brought back into their pur purpose, to be brought back into how they were designed. I like to talk to people and, and have people talk to me and challenge me to restore the things and the thoughts that have gone awry. I love seeing marriages restored. It's just one of those things that flows through my life, right? So is that my purpose? I don't know. I asked God, I said, so all of these things that I've seen as purpose, they wouldn't really be here after, uh, before the fall, before the fall of man. So I got to dig in a little bit deeper and said, God, why did you create mankind? Because things didn't need to be restored before man fell. Things didn't need to be put back together. There was no rust. There was no decay. We didn't need to be transformed. We were already made perfectly in his image. So what is purpose? I just started asking that question to God and just praying through it. And now we're going to get to bees. Why bees? Because through that question, I saw a picture of a bee. And I thought, the bee? What about the bee? And God said, why do you love the bee? Why do you guys love bees? Maybe you don't love them. Maybe you're afraid of them. <laughs> And, and you just do that anytime they're around. But why do we love bees? I like honey personally. I know a lot of people don't, but I don't see that there's much better than honey out there. Honey is wonderful. I asked one of my kids, why do you like bees? By the way, bees has been a conversation for a while. It's like this kept stirring. We, we ended up with a, uh, a swarm. Actually, I think we've got two swarms of bees up in our attic right now, and it's not fun. So my daughters definitely do not like bees right now. And I said, okay, well, why do you like bees? And one of them said, well, I love flowers. And without bees, we wouldn't have flowers. Okay. The other one said, I love gardens. Think about this. What would we have on our table as far as produce if we didn't have bees? And bees are pretty awesome. Like, I like bees. But then I hear the father say, why do you think I love bees. Does God love the bee for what it can do? Wait, the bee's just doing what God created it to do. That's really God's design. Does God love the bee because, you know, how they, how they are structured? No, God structured the bees. He gave them their life. He created them with purpose. He filled them with inspiration. God loves the bee because he created the bee. 
The bee belongs to God because God created the bee. So where does that put you and I? If God loves the bee because he created it to be a bee, then what's our purpose? I would like to propose that the answer to purpose has more to do with relationship than task and checklist. The created purpose that God has, has placed in us is to follow. Yes, God put instinct in bees. It, bees just do what they do. But he created you and I in his image. He created you and I with a choice. He created you and I with the ability to try to create our own thing or to follow him. So I believe that purpose is to follow Jesus. That is every one of our purposes, to follow our creator. And out of that, we'll see honey made. We'll see flowers pollinated. We'll see produce. We'll see fruit. It's only when we're connected to the vine that we see fruit. It's only in following Jesus. So I believe, and what I would propose to you is that the purpose of life is life with him and discipleship. Discipleship is, is a response to belonging, but it's the deep purpose within us because as Philip asked Jesus, yeah, we just want to see the Father. And Jesus told him, if you've seen me, then you've seen the Father. So God has already given us a picture of what the purpose of man is. And that perfect picture is Christ. So if we are going to grow into the measure and the stature of Christ, as Ephesians 4 says, then we need to look to the creator. We need to look to the perfect one who came and lived as us, to lived as man, and lived perfectly. So discipleship is a huge, huge portion of our life. And it basically means this. A disciple is someone who's modeling their life after the one that they're following. Do we do it perfect when we're one years old, when we first start walking? No. I've been following Jesus for 35 years now. I still don't do it perfect. I promise you. But we have an opportunity to model our life after Christ. How many kids... One of the sweetest things is... is is my little boy. He wants to be just like his dad. He sees things in me that I don't see. He wants to be like dad. He wants to be strong. He wants to be a pastor. He wants to preach the gospel, which just blesses my heart. But I remember when I was a kid, I wanted to be just like dad. So what really discipleship is, is that following Jesus. It's modeling our lives after Jesus it's to grow into his image. It's to use what he's given us. It's to partner with him and it's to love what he loves. I promise you, one of the greatest areas of frustration in our life is when we forget to love what he loves. You ever frustrated with people? You know, he loves that person just as much as he loves you. 
We don't just belong to Christ. Within us, there is an invitation to belong that we get to give to others. And when we're partnering with Christ in what he's doing, when we're partnering in Christ, with Christ in seeing light brought to the world, we have a powerful invitation to, to ask others to join. I want to challenge you this morning. And I've said that a few times. It's just part of who I am. I like to challenge people. But I think we as the church need to quit griping about the darkness. Are you salt and light? If you're salt and light, then we need to quit griping about the darkness and know that we belong and know that these others that maybe you're, you're in disagreement with, do you know those that are, that are opposing the kingdom, you know what would fix them like that? Is their heart transformed to Christ? An invitation for them to belong to Christ. An invitation that, to show them by, by and through Christ that they are loved. It doesn't mean you have to agree with what, what's going on. It means that you, by, you have this invitation to invite others to come and partner with what Jesus is doing. We need to obtain the original blueprint and be apprentices. So we want to see what that original picture, what we were created to be, looks like. And we can look to Jesus. And we need to be his apprentices. What a great, great opportunity we have to be apprentices of the Most High. And to grow into the measure and to the stature, we must first belong. In 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 21, it says, For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves. Yeah, it's one of those bait and switch messages. Yes, we want you to belong. There is an invitation that you belong here in this church. But I want you to know something greater. You belong with your feet planted on this earth. For such a time as this, you have been created. You don't just belong here in this family. God has placed you here for a reason. And just as Mordecai told Esther, daughter, I realize Life has been hard. I realize you're finally in a comfortable spot. But maybe, just maybe, you were created for such a time as this. And Mordecai tells her, the word of God will be accomplished. How many of you believe that? The word of God will be accomplished. It will happen. The choice that we have is it, will it happen through you and I? Because it's going to happen. Mordecai tells Esther, well, maybe, just maybe. You were born for this time. And God's purposes will be accomplished. But if you don't open your mouth and speak, there's concern for what is going to happen to you and your family. Not a, not a, not a threat. It's just, are we partnering with God or are we not? Are we seeing, and, and so often church, we are so guilty of not partnering with God. So often, we partner with our political alignment one way or another more than we partner with God. We think, well, if we get this person in office, this will be fixed. If we get this person in office, it'll all be easy. No. 
No, we are so short-sighted that we need to know that we have an invitation to invite others to come. So, let's keep reading. He died for all and those, so that, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him, for, they, for their sake, died and he was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. You want to know a trick to, to, to help get past what you know and what you see in people by the flesh? is to call out who they are in Christ. I've seen the most fleshly, worldly people when you remind them of what they believe and who they believe in. Step up and rise up. Christ doesn't condemn us. He pulls us up. He lifts us up. That's what he's invited us in to do. And I'll tell you this too. The world, the lost, they're lost, okay? Can we agree with that? The, the, the lost are lost. Only a Christian can be carnal or, or spiritual. We have a choice. The world is what they are. They're, they're just lost. They're blind. They, they just need an invitation. We also have to have an invitation to step out of our flesh and walk by the Spirit. Amen? Amen. So, part of knowing that you belong is knowing that you came from God. You may have come through your parents, but you came from God. I want to talk about bread and life. I like bread. I especially like sopapillas. I like, I like all things Mexican food. I love fajitas and sopapillas and enchiladas. And are you hungry yet? Yeah, good, good. Well, the other day we were making sopapillas and by we, I mean Jasmine, but I was there. And as, as we were making sopapillas, and the, the, she had um, made the dough, and she had let it sit. And then she was cutting it up, and, and there was something important about letting that dough sit. You know, the inspiration was, we're hungry. The revelation was, hey, we can cook. And by we, I mean Jasmine. And the... <laughs> The integration here is how it's the recipe. But that dough, with a little bit of time, the, the glutens in it were able to relax and, and the yeast had been given time to rise. And then it had this spark of transformation. And that transformation hit and this perfect little puffed piece of bread came out of the fryer and was gone. <laughs> I mean, it was perfect. You could tear off the corner and pour a little honey inside and squish it around or put some cinnamon sugar on it. And it was just puffy and chewy and soft and crispy on the outside. It was the inspiration, the revelation, the integration, and that transformation. You can't rush the process. The process of growth, you cannot rush it. Because those sopapillas were gone like that, we have five kids. I don't know where they were, but the sopapillas were gone pretty quick. 
So we thought, we'll just make another batch. We'll just roll it out, make another batch real quick. We ended up with hard lumps of fried dough. There hadn't been time for that spark. We've got to realize that we just partner with God. We don't own the spark, but he's given us every ingredient we need. You don't come from your parents, you come from God. One day your dad was, was sitting somewhere and he looks up and he sees this beautiful woman and he's inspired. Maybe she told a joke and he laughed. That's what happened to me. She got me. I laughed. I was inspired. said, well, maybe we can go have dinner and she'll make me laugh some more. And then we see this revelation that, wow, we really fit well together. We have common interests. We have common understandings. We, we have a belief to pursue God. That revelation. And then the integration. We got married. Wow. And then you talk about coming from your parents. The father has the seed. The mother has the egg. But it's until there's integration, there's no fruit. None of us have the spark to breathe life. Mankind cannot create life. We can simply steward it. That's our purpose, is to partner with Jesus in stewarding life. It takes time. It takes patience. It takes knowing that you don't, you don't belong to yourself. The inspiration is the what. The revelation is the why. The integration is the how. And the transformation is the spark. I want to challenge you not to rush the dough. Honeybees are chemists. I don't know if you know this. I don't know if you know where, where honey actually comes from. Bees, I know. Walmart. <laughs> but honeybees are chemists using the enzymes and dehydration. These scientists of the natural world are able to change the sugar in nectar into a super-saturated super power food. It's no small feat. Honey's composed of at least 181 components of creation. Honey's unique taste results from the complex chemical process which, this, which is why sugary syrups and substitutes can't compare. They can't mimic God's chemical know-how. Last year, did you know there was 158 million pounds of honey produced in the USA? That's a lot of chemistry. But God gives the bee the instructions, the instinct. The bee sees what it needs, the revelation. The bee mixes all of it together according to the instructions, the integration, and that spark of supernatural and creation transforms the ingredients into something new. We can't recreate this. Only God and his infinite power can do that. And that's something as small as a bee. But if we don't have, as Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no prophetic vision, people cast off all restraint. But how blessed is he who keeps the law? In the New King James Version, it says, where there is no revelation, the people cast off all restraint, but happy is he who keeps the law. And what is this great law we're talking about? In 
Deuteronomy 5, it says, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and all of your might. We can't do that unless we first realize and receive. Until we receive his love, we don't have anything worthy of giving. We're simply stewards of life. We're stewards of love. We're stewards of forgiveness. Forgiveness is hard. I'm not the only one that struggled with forgiveness. Forgiveness is hard, but we are stewards. That means that we have been given it so that we can give it. And until we realize that we so desperately need forgiveness, we give some of the meanest and harshest criticisms to others. This flows right into what the, the next great law is. Out of John 13, 34, it says, a new commandment I give you. This is Christ. This is red letters. If we're going to follow anybody, if we're going to listen to anybody, we need to listen to Christ. That is our purpose in life is to follow him. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Wow. The Old Testament said, love your brother as yourself. Jesus called us up to something more. He said, I put my spirit inside of you. You can do greater things. You can forgive. You can love. I've called you into this. We are stewards of his forgiveness and his love. Not only that, if we're truly desiring to be disciples, he goes on to say, by this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. It really comes down to this. We are called to love God and love people. But if you haven't received his love, you can't give it. If you haven't received his forgiveness, you can't give it. In Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, it says, And he gave the apostles and the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. So, good news is, he gave me to you. He gave the prophets, the, the apostles, the teachers. He gave us to you. We're, we're a gift. So I like, I like being called a gift. So maybe that hasn't landed well, but I like being called a gift. But here's the thing. The reason that he's given those gifts is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. The, the, the gift of being a pastor or a teacher, it's simply to empower it's, in, it's to inspire, it's to teach the body of which I am to the ministry. It's to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ until we attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure, to the stature of the fullness of Christ. Man, you talk about an intimidating scripture. If you're trying to do this by your own power, I'm never going to be good enough to be like Christ. No, we're not. Until we actually realize that we belong to him. Until we realize that he doesn't love the bee because of what it does. He loves the bee because of who he's created the bee to be. 
And if you realize what I'm talking about, I'm not talking about bees. I'm talking about you and I. To the mature manhood, to the measure, to the stature, to the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning and craftiness, by deceitful schemes, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ from whom the whole body is joined together and held by every joint, with which is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up. We are children growing up to be like our father. And that development is important. When we're partnering with him, when we are each a part of the body, something pretty cool happens. We're not all a bunch of toes. I may be a big toe, but you get to be a hand. You know, like I said earlier, we get to cook. We get to make sopapillas. But when we start to value each other, when we start to see the gifts in each other, in all of creation, a bee is just one part of it. But the bee affects an incredible portion of, of creation in mankind. And so that in creation, that spark that God has put there is for each of us to walk in unity. It actually says in the Psalms that there's a commanded blessing on the brothers when they walk in unity. So we are growing up to be like our Father. In Romans 12, 1 through 5, it says, So it is with Christ's body, we are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. Well, that's not going to fly in today's society, is it? One, to say that you belong to God. Two, to say that you belong to each other. That's a hard thing to walk out. With good reason. We've been hurt. We've been, we've fallen short and those around us have fallen short. But yet we belong to each other. When we honor the body of Christ, we're not left weak. We're going to receive communion here in a little while. And the challenge is that it says that many are weak and many have perished because they have not discerned the body of Christ. It's not talking about the bread and the cup that we're going to partake. It's talking about the address of the Holy Spirit that's sitting beside you. If you are a dwelling place of the Holy Spirit, if you heard me, if you are a dwelling place of the Holy Spirit, then so is the person sitting next to you. So are we going to honor that person and see them by the Spirit, or are we going to see them by the flesh and dishonor them? I think we need to honor each other. So we belong to each other. So dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done. You don't give yourself to each other because of what we have done. Let them be a, a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way of, to worship him. Don't copy behavior and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasant and perfect. 
Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give you each this warning. Don't think of yourselves better than you are. Be honest in your evaluations as you, as you evaluate yourself. Measure yourself by the faith God has given us, just as our bodies have many parts. We each, each part has a special function. We belong to each other. I really, as we talk about life groups, as we talk about integrating, that's why this is important. We talk about integrating our lives together. I can tell you where the greatest spark even happens in marriage. My wife and I have a rhythm on Wednesday mornings where we get together and we, we have coffee and we talk. We don't just talk about the kids. We don't just talk about finances. We don't just talk about the house. We talk about what God has put on our hearts. And as we talk, as we go back and forth, as we listen to each other and, and we say, well, I, I feel like God is saying this. I, I saw this in the scripture. I know God has said this. As we talk back and forth, there is a spark that happens. And that spark is the Holy Spirit in us bringing greater revelation. Like he's taking us from glory to glory to glory. He is helping us to grow from the place where we're walking and he's holding our hands to where we're running and being a part of his kingdom. His kingdom is at hand. It's here, it's now. And he wants to invite us along. As God, um, 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says, to each is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. What God has given you, what God has given me is not for us individually. My gifts are for you. Your gifts are for the one sitting next to you. When we try to eat off of our own tree, it's not good. It doesn't work out. When you try to eat your own fruit, you just consume yourself. I'm saying a lot there. If you're trying to sustain yourself by yourself, then you will simply wither and shrink and blow away. But when you are in the body, when you are integrated, it says, do not neglect the assembling together as some. Assembling together is more than just coming on a Sunday morning. I'm glad you're here. This is an important part of it. But assembling together is actually seeing what's in each other and discerning the body. And just like that honeycomb, one pod fits right next to the other, to the other, to the other, to the other. And it just becomes a building of the Lord. In 1 Corinthians 12, 18, it says, but, but as it is, God arranged the members of the body, in the body, each one of them, he chose. There's something powerful in knowing that God chose you to partner with him. God is outside of time. He's outside of space. But yet he's in, intimately inside of it with us. So he placed you here. He knew that you were going to be here this morning. Did you know that? Think about it. He knows who, if you go to lunch today and you order sopapillas... He knows who your waitress or waiter is going to be. 
And what if he's just inviting you to partner in that invitation? What if he's inviting you to talk to that waiter, to talk to that waitress with the power of the Holy Spirit? I'm going to ask you another challenging question. How would you want people to treat your lost loved ones? How would you want people to treat your lost loved ones when they walk through the doors of the church? How would you want people to treat your lost loved ones while they're waiting on you, serving you wonderful, beautiful sopapillas after service? How would you want your loved ones to be treated? That's how we take that integration, that inspiration, that revelation, and we get to partner with God in what he's doing in this world. Amen? Amen. Amen.